Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Welcome to The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona, and we are into the planting season. It's officially started. Spring is it's in the air. Now, if you're new to the mountains of Arizona, which a lot of folks are, last weekend we had just shy of 100 people showed up at a garden class. So every week we, we have a free garden class. And these folks, I'd say half of the the students that were there were, were brand new. I mean, this is their first growing season. So they don't know what's coming. This is what's coming. It's going to be like this. It's beautiful. You'll start to see some spring flowers. It'll start to show up. Your daffodils are starting to elongate. Your, uh, I've got uh, winter-blooming jasmine starting to bloom in my own landscapes. We've got uh, winter-blooming heath. These are all the, all the types of perennials that come back, and they, they kind of announce. They start the season. Then it will get frosty, snowy again. So we'll have another front come through, and we'll have some more weather. We need that to happen, actually. That's what uh, makes the forest, the, your landscapes, healthy, this nice, deep uh, snow. Last year we had, I don't know, there's probably a foot of snow on the ground at this point. And that's good for your landscape. You just need to make sure you're planting things that can handle that. So I would say stay away from the summer blooming things at this point. People are coming in asking for Russian sage. I, mean, I put my kids through college just selling that one plant, this purple shrubby plant. It's up to about eh, hip high with blue flowers. And, and you can plant those now. That's great. That's fine. I've got some. But I was just showing them to a client, and, and uh, I went, is, they're ugly right now. I'm going, yeah, they're twigs in a bucket. That's what they are through winter. They just don't look very good until it's really warm. So June, they start to really look good. Right now, you're really wanting to plant the spring blooming things, more choices, and they look more robust. They look better. You can tell even, even the lilacs. They, they have no foliage on them right now, but you can tell the buds are ginormous. The flower buds are just huge on these plants. You can just go, these things are about to take off, and they are. Lots of color choices, lots of fragrance. Focus on the things that are right for that season. Don't focus on things that you are used to growing elsewhere. So I'm getting my Phoenix, Palm Springs, Tucson, the, the desert folks, Southern Cal. They're coming going, I want tomato plants. Where are they? I want, uh, and they'll mention figs or, or ficus trees or things they grew outdoors there, but they don't grow outdoors at this elevation. They, they would in the summer, but they just don't winter over here for us. And so you really do want to do a little research, a little recon, a little, really do your, look at the internet, check who the sources are, because you'll get all kinds of crazy advice on the net. Uh, check with neighbors that are really good gardeners. You, you'll know who they are. They've got great looking yards. Even now, uh, check with your garden centers. Know, there's, know who are the professionals in your, your neighborhood and before you start planting, committing. So the last thing you want to do is, I just had another customer just this, this week. They bought some cacti out of Phoenix. They brought them up the hill. They planted them, and they melted in that last snowstorm. We had, what's, what, a week at 10 days ago? They just absolutely died. And so those plants, I wanted a southwestern-looking yard. You know, paint the front door uh, turquoise, and then have all these deserty-looking plants. And they want a cacti. Well, well, we're up in the pine forest. We've got some of the largest ponderosa pine forest 
on the planet run through this part of northern Arizona, you're better off planting pine trees than you are cacti. So if you do plant them, you got to make sure they can handle our cold. So it's prickly pears and choyas, some hedgehogs, yuccas, agaves. There's a whole southwesterny looking kinds of plants, but they won't really be cacti. So really do your homework. Right now, you're really focused on, we just got in our, our pine, spruce, fir, all the evergreen trees for spring. They just landed. So there's there's dozens and dozens, if not more. Oh, my back hurts. So your Austrian pines and Colorado spruce and Vanderwolf pines and Arizona cypress and Deodor cedars. And I can go on and on and on. There's a whole section, probably half an acre of just nothing but but evergreen types of tree kind of things. This is an absolutely ideal time to be planting those because they haven't elongated. They haven't grown their candle growth yet, uh, yet they're butted up really heavily. So if you can put those in the ground before they wake up and start pushing that new evergreen needled growth, you're better off. Uh, fruit trees. We've literally unloaded hundreds of fruit trees. Uh, this is a great time to plant them. If you can plant those before they actually bloom in the spring, you'll have more success. You can plant them after they've leafed out, after the, how they'll, they're old enough to actually fruit right in the rack. So some of our fruit trees will actually have fruit on them. You can put those in the ground then. It's not ideal. It'd be better to put them in before they fruited so, so that they can root out and, and have more root structure underneath them to support all that top growth. Now it can take on the spring winds that are going to come. Usually April, May is windy and dry, and it's just hard on that tender new growth. You can put them in the ground beforehand. They'll have more roots underneath them. You can put flowers in now, but the flowers you're going to put in, they have to handle severe cold and snow and frost and deep freezes. There's some plants that do that. So your kales, your ornamental cabbages, dusty miller, hookahs, there's a whole pansies, violas. I just, I, I don't have the entire greenhouse filled up with those kinds of robust plants, but the front half is. I'm leaving room for the summer, summer kind of temperate kind of plants. So we've got our first spring baskets starting to show up with petunias, and you'll see geraniums coming. Those plants will go into the mid 20s or so. They won't go down to the teens, but they'll go into mid 20s. They'll take some light frost. You can kind of lead the edge with some of those. Uh, and then we'll come into the more summer, more kind of tender things as we start going. So I'm just seeing all this with this tidal wave of, of customers, of gardeners coming in. And so many of them are new. I guess the message for this particular segment, the start of this show, is just make sure you know which plants are working for which for the season that you're planting. We are a four-season climate, all of us, from Kingman all the way over to the White Mountains, from Flagstaff all the way down to Spring Valley, Cottonwood, Camp Verde, and everything in between. We're all a very strong four-season climate. So you want to work within those each of those climates. I would say you don't really want to plant a crepe myrtle right now. That's a summer thing. You'll, you'll think it died before it actually decides to leaf out. It wants it to be 90 degrees. It wants it to be hot. Why do that when you can plant a forsythia or a quince or a lilac or uh, spireas? There's all these series of spring-blooming, healthy, just luscious plants that, that thrive in spring. You want to focus on those and less on 
you want to leave a balance. You want a balance. I guess you want all four seasons represented. I guess in that respect, yeah, plant a crepe myrtle. But hey, you know, I've got those, but they look like twigs in a bucket for now. Plant the Russian sage, but they look kind of, kind of, they look ugly right now. They're fully ridded. They're ready to go. They're starting. I mean, the the potentia started to put some some leaves on this week, but the the flowering heath they're in full bloom because they love it right now. The flowering camellias they're in full bloom. They love this kind of weather. They love this kind of bright, warm days and cool nights. They just thrive in this kind of climate. Focus on those things right now, and you'll have more success. So that's that's my two bit of advice for you just right now. There's a lot in store for you. I do actually want to cover evergreens. Really focus on those. What are the evergreens you can plant now? Mainly shrub varieties that bloom. There's a whole series of these. I don't want to get into it right now, but maybe at the after the bottom of the hour, we've got Lisa Watersling coming in with your garden questions. We'll focus on that. But if you if you're looking for a hedgerow that blooms, you're looking for evergreens. You know, I'll cover some that are uh, kind of knee high, hip high, head high. And they're evergreen. They look good right now. This is the time to be shopping those. You can see what they look like late winter, early spring. And you can some of them are starting to show some color. So your Indian hawthorn, some of those things. We'll go into deep. You'll probably want some pen and paper for that because you'll have a list for you that'll just knock it out. At least six. I might have eight here. It's, depends on the breaks, what I what my head starts floating into you, giving to you. But uh, Lots in store this week on The Mountain Gardener. Lisa Waters Lane coming in right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. It's almost spring. Time to grow a pear. A pear tree, that is. Late winter is ideal for planting fruit trees. At Waters Garden Center has cherry-picked the hardiest, heaviest producing trees from our most trusted growers. From apples to apricots and persimmons to pears, the garden center is plumb full of varieties that thrive in our mountain soil. And we'll even plant them for you. We believe life is a bowl of cherries, so grow the best ones ever from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? And this is when the, we had a record uh, weekend last weekend. So the class was packed. There were like 90 to 100 people coming to a garden class. All the gardeners are out. They're wanting, they're, they're, they're looking, and they know it's, we're stocking up. Uh, we're eating semi loads of product. I'm absolutely beat. How do you feel? <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> so, but what happens is when you're filling a garden two acres up with fresh plants, 
it starts to get a little, you just start dumping things around. You sort of have them organized, but they're not organized. It's driving me crazy. So <laughs> we'll get it there. And then customers are coming in kind of wanting to see all the new stuff. Yeah. And then these are the gardeners. These right, are folks. Right. They know sort of they know sort of kind of what they want, but they aren't quite sure. It's like a recon mission. They're like looking to see what they're doing. It's been fun to see all the the gardeners yeah. into the garden centers. So they've been waiting till you know, like the weather's nice enough, and here they are. Yeah, yeah. You get a little bit of nice weather, but everybody's out. Not to blame them. I would be too. Well, we are out. Yeah. This is like well, we're out all the time. Well, they? yeah, we live outdoors <laughs> in the garden center, and then we go home. We like to go home and just relax in, inside every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't. I like going home. I, say, I think we're almost always outside. <laughs> we like going home and sitting on the back patio and watching hummingbirds and yep. watching sunset, sipping a cup of tea or, or mm-hmm. a glass of wine or coffee. Or we, we actually prefer the outdoors. Yeah. It's what we're famous for. Ah, It's almost warm enough. It's Not quite. There's a tinge. Of, when the sun goes down, it's night. still chilly. <laughs> Although this week I did run around the, the town with my top down on the car. Oh, you so did? The, the convertible, I had the convertible boat. Ah. If it's 50, 50 degrees, is kind of like the magic number. High, high 40s, 50. You can turn the heater on, kind of crank it up high enough, and, and enjoy the fresh air. And below 50, it starts to get just my, my balding head. <laughs> Starts to feel the uh, the the hair the air you, kind of you penetrate. You need a little knit hat you can put. But on, those right? blow off in a convertible. <laughs> you like funk, they just go up in the air. Anyway, we won't talk about my thinning hair in the cold. <laughs> we'll talk about gardening. What do okay. we got? Well, our first question is from Ellie. They moved into a new home, and she wanted to plant Leland cypress as yeah. a break. And one of her neighbors told her, "Don't do it." Yeah. So she wants to know why. What's wrong with the Leland cypress, and what would you recommend instead? So you do see Leland cypress around. You'll see them at the box stores. Really, the only place you'll see them is at the box stores. Maybe someone will bring them up out of Phoenix or something, but you do not want to plant those here in the higher elevations, the mountains of Arizona, and here's the reason why. Uh, we're predicting that every single one of them will die within the next three to five years. There's a spore, Leland, Leland uh, cypress. There's a... Ceridium canker. Ceridium canker. Thanks for using You're the welcome. Latin on me. That's good. Well, I don't know if that's Latin, but it sounds more... <laughs> Sir, Sir Ivan Ceridium actually found the disease that killed off Lila. No, I have no idea. Don't, don't, go, don't go down that path. But there's a disease that's killing them. Mm-hmm. And it's killing them to the tree. Entire neighborhoods have been wiped out already. Uh, folks that have had 10, 20, 30-year-old cypress hedgerows. These are tall, beautiful green trees up to 20 feet tall, 12 feet wide. We used them as windbreaks and privacy screens for decades, and they are now dying. The entire row is, is they'll start at one end and just work its way down. Um, that's the reason you don't want to plant them. If you happen to have a hedgerow, there you can actually just keep them healthy. You water them more, and you fertilize them often to keep them healthy. But eventually, they're going to die from this canker uh, so what to do? Plant something that's not a Leland cypress because it's very, very selective on what it kills. It's a spore that's birds pick it up, light from one tree to the next, insects go from one tree to the next, and it just spreads just that easy. Uh, the, 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 the bark will start to ooze this orangey, sappy-looking stuff and just basically girdles the tree and it dies. And there's nothing you can do about it. I wish because you and I would be – we could go on vacation to <laughs> – Anywhere we want, if yeah. we could find a cure for that. There's not. Nope. 
And so now you can plant Arizona cypress. That's the native one. Mm -hmm. It does really well. Less prone to have any any kind of disease. All of your juniper family does great. Deodor cedars, uh, Colorado spruce, uh, Vanderwolf pines. God, there's there's two dozen varieties of things you can plant here at the garden center that's not Alila and cypress. Uh, and if you happen to see them at a garden center that's still selling them, let the manager know that he's not doing the that he's not doing your town a favor by planting those. You'll plant them. They'll live for a few years and then die. Just, just almost like that. Just, mm -hmm. just bump, bump. They just die. So I get frustrated when I see folks sell things they should not be sold. And our uh, Vander, not Vanderwolf, the uh, Goldwater Pines. Ah. They should not be sold up here. Why are they putting the Tanio? Why are they doing that? I don't so know. they die from rust within five to ten years. They just die. Right. You should plant an Austrian pine or a mm -hmm. Oregon green pine. Those are much better choices. But you'll still find them in the marketplace. Right. It's just ugh, frustrating. <laughs> I got it. It discourages going, people from gardening because they, they do it. They think well, they, do. they think their thumbs are brown. Yeah. But it's not them. They were sold something they should never have been sold and planted when the environment that they planted in would just it's gonna work against them. It's not them, it's the environment. Sure. Or the per, the, the, the the garden center that sold it to them. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't do that. Okay. Anyway, I'm all fired up. Give, me, a, give me another question. Go have yeah. a cup of tea, honey. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need a sunset and a glass of wine. <laughs> so John would like to know, with this warm weather, should he start increasing his watering? And if so, how often? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit early yet. I always, I always use our time lawn as an mm -hmm. indication. So time lawn, this is instead of a fescue or bluegrass or an actual grass lawn, we've converted ours over to thyme, creeping thyme. It's an herb. Avelina don't eat it. It's just robust. It's tough. Um, it's gone dormant. It's got a, just has a little texture to it, but it's not really growing yet. When the soil's finally warm enough and things start to take off, you'll start to see it green up. You'll just see that green, blue-green uh, uh, grass, not grass, but thyme, start to, mm -hmm. start to grow, and you go, oh, it's about time to start turning the irrigation on. Another indication is your, your daffodils will start blooming. Forsythia will be in bloom. So you'll see, you'll feel that, that, that spring is here, that leading edge. That's your cue. That's probably the middle to the end of March. Mm -hmm. You're probably at least three weeks away before you really have to tr worry about it. If you water now, it'd just be a waste. You're not gonna, the plants aren't really using it. I'd say water a couple times a month right now. But you don't have to actually activate your irrigation, start watering every you know right. two, three times a week. But I will say, I've talked to a few people who turned off their irrigation systems and have yep. not done any Ooh. watering. Oh, that's bad. And okay. boy, you you yeah, you need to water. Yeah, a couple times any. a month. So right. by hand, if you need to. Mm -hmm. It's those folks with the backflow preventer that's <clears throat> exposed above ground. They're the ones that really have a hard time because mm -hmm. to activate that, you have to actually power up the, the that backflow, big right. copper brass piece and then it can freeze mm -hmm. and so you don't want to do it until you're out of the risk of deep freezes well we still have through at least through march first part of april of possible freezes not just right. frost freezes so you want to do it about after that and that's usually april one we tell folks turn the irrigation on start mm -hmm. start watering through about the end of october that's your that's your growing season for the mountains of arizona do it okay. then yes but if you haven't watered all winter Get out there with your hose and water. So Tom would like to know, you just moved uh, to PV, Prescott Valley, 
from a much warmer climate. He didn't say probably Phoenix. And he wants to know, when do you start vegetable gardens in this area? Yeah, great. So you do want to work with the environment. And that we just mentioned frost and freezes and mm-hmm. stuff. We're going to have that through the end of April. At least. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, we use Mother's Day as the demarcation line. That's our, that's our holiday local gardeners use. You can plant your summer vegetables after Mother's Day. If you can do it before that, we need to protect them. You need to put them in a greenhouse or put walls of water. There's, there's different ways to protect them. Uh, but, but right now, you can start planting onions and garlic and uh, artichokes and rhubarb and spinach and lettuce and broccoli and cauliflower and all these uh, leafier, the things you're harvesting, the flower or the leaf, those are cool season vegetables. They do fabulous when planted now for the next couple months. Your summer things, things that form a fruit, which if you're from a warmer climate, that's what you're thinking. Watermelons and squash and pumpkins and tomatoes and peppers. Those are done after Mother's Day unless you protect them early. And so we'll have a class on that the end of April, about the time you start planting that. It goes over all the details. We also have, come visit us, we have the actual garden calendar for up here. It tells you by crop, when do I plant carrots? When do I plant the funky stuff you know when when do i plant cabbages when do i plant tomatoes it's free we'll give it to you it's just ask for it it's yours all right ken and lisa lane and the mountain gardeners we'll be right back you're listening to ken lane aka the mountain gardener ken can be found throughout the week in prescott at waters garden center listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens Hi, Ken, with the plant of the week and our cherry jolt, Dianthus. Jumpstart the color in the garden with a generous helping of this jolting Dianthus. The cherry fragrant flowers come atop rich green foliage. A sun worshiper through and through, growing 12 inches, and knows how to draw the butterflies to their nectar-laden flowers. Uniquely waters and just $11. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, where people who love flowers that jolt, they love to shop. Hi, Lisa with the plants of the week and our Goshiki Holly. Goshiki translates from Japanese as holly with five colors. Its new leaves emerge red, then turn green. The entire top of this holly is draped in colors of cream, white, gray, yellow, and green. This evergreen makes the perfect accent, hedge, or evergreen container for its all-round good looks. A really nice plant that shines through winter is just $39. Waters Garden Center, where people who love Japanese gardens, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Now each month I put together a a selection, I curate plants that look really good for that particular month. And, and this month, for the month of February, typically it's like four plants that are companion plants. They grow together. If you're doing a landscape, you want to put these four or five things together because they grow and work well together. And they look good in that particular month that you plant them. So February, it was pinion pines. This is when they really take on a pinion pine, our native pinion pines or any, any kind of pine, really, but pinion pines do so well in northern Arizona. They'll take the wind that Kingman blows at them. Uh, they'll take the, the that severity of dryness that Payson is noted for. They'll take the cold 
that the higher elevations go for, the Highland Pines, the the, the Groom Creeks, and they'll take the, the that windswept you know valleys of Chino Valley, Paulden, and they'll take everything in between. Prescott's noted for their beautiful chaparral zones of pine and manzanita. Uh, pinion pines do really well. A companion to that was Lily of the Valley. That is a perennial, evergreen perennial, that's just so fragrant, and it buds up really, really nicely in the month of February. It'll start to bloom the end of this month to through March, through April. It's a long bloom cycle, great little knee-high perennial that does so great in the more shaded areas of your garden. Peony, and not that they bloom in February, but they start to elongate in February. So we've got lots of peonies in stock here at the garden center, and they're, they're not bushy. But they're coming up, and for a gardener, just to see that new growth emerging from the ground like a classic perennial does, that's just so exciting. I cut back my mums. They're starting to grow. They just look good. That's enough. They're not blooming, but I don't need them to bloom right now. I just want to have hope that spring is on its way. These are early perennials that start to come up. From the Ito peony, this great big ginormous flower that's bigger than your hand to your traditional English peonies. They can all be planted well and look good this time of year. And then carpet roses, Calgary carpet junipers, not roses, junipers. I was thinking the Calgary carpet juniper only because it's so hardy. You can plant a, a lily of the valley or a peony up underneath it and it pops up through that this rough, just robust type of junipery kind of ground cover kind of kind of plant looks really good up against the edges of rocks it's just every yard needs junipers and these they're so tough that just we're injured we're surrounded by juniper forest you need some and these guys are little they're not going to give you allergies they're not going to be problematic animals don't eat them nothing bothers them you can't kill them it's just a great plant for you and they, they're a companion really well with those pinion pines the month of march I was just working on the March website, showing off March's companion plants, and I, I couldn't bring it down to just four. I came up with five. Let me share them with you. In the month of March, uh, and all of these, they're, they're in stock now. You'll find them, but they don't quite look good right at the moment. But in the month of March, they all start to wake up. So red buds, from your Oklahoma red buds to Avondales to, to eastern red buds. This is a native plant for the mountains of Arizona. It just grows wild. It just naturalizes so well. It's very drought-hardy, but it's covered in pink flowers. Sometime in the month of March, they wake up and just go, Whoa, spring is here. It's so exciting. A companion to that in a shrub form, so red buds are up to that high teens, maybe 20-foot level. Forsythia is a beautiful gold, solar gold, gold shrub. It grows about chest high, maybe head high if you let it go, but really four or five feet, something like that covered in, in yellow flowers, just beautiful. Before it has any foliage, it's covered in yellow. It just, just announces spring. It's just beautiful. And, and it does it in the month of March. And it works on the same irrigation cycle as a redbud. They're great plants. Rosemary, specifically creeping rosemary. I chose what's a ground cover looking thing that grows well with the others. Creeping rosemary has a blue flower in the month of March, typically, but it grows up about under knee high, maybe a foot to 18 inches tall, and just has these long branches that sweep out over a, a retaining wall or through the boulders or, or softening at the edge of that rock lawn against a driveway. It just does really well. R rosemary just naturalizes so well. You can actually cut some off and use it for culinary uses, but it's a great pollinator for your bees. They're, they're starting to come up and they're foraging, and there's not much for the bee 
colonies to go after. So anything that's in bloom, they're, they're very appreciative and they're drawn into your yard and, and attracted by those flowers, especially from rosemary. Pansies, you just need some color. Your containers are just ugly. You just want to get out there and garden. You want something pretty that blooms no matter the weather. Pansies, that's the one. Pick the color you want. It comes in purples and yellows and gold and every other color, whites. Every color you can think of, they're, they're, they're available. I just had a whole load of gallon-sized pansies. They're big. They're robust. They're beautiful. Just arrived. And then lastly, flowering heath. This is an evergreen. It looks like a fern. It's, it's noted for growing at high elevation, but it's covered right now in pink, red, or white flowers. Great little perennial up to about just below knee high again, sort of like creeping rosemary, covered in flowers. Uh, I've been showing those off at chambers of commerce, meetings, mixers, and business things, connecting with people, and people are going, ooh, that's so neat. You only find that in the month of March. You don't find them later in the year at garden centers, they're only available now, and the crop vaporizes, and they're all, you just can't, you can only get them now. So if you love perennials, they come back year after year. They, they announce spring. Boy, a flowering heath is the way to go. Those are the companions for February and March for the mountains of Arizona. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our McMinn Manzanita. Part of water's expanding native selection, this is the big, bold manzanita you find growing throughout Arizona. A local evergreen growing wild with the classic red bark for a style and drought-hardy landscape. Locally grown for local landscapes, this Easy Care shrub is just $39. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love lots of native plants, they love to shop. Once upon a time, Fred the Sage and Bob the Yucca watched a herd of deer eat their neighbor's garden. Hey, Bob, said Fred. It's a good thing we're native Arizona plants from Waters Garden Center. Right, Fred, said Bob. We can handle tough Prescott dirt, hot sun, low water, and we look great in the garden. You betcha, Bob, said Fred. Hummingbirds and bees love us, but that deer sure doesn't. Be like Fred and Bob. Go native at Waters Garden Center. Safe, natural, and organic. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we've welcomed in my favorite gal in all the world, Lisa Waters Lane, back in the studio. She comes and just shares her opinions on whatever she wants. (laughs) And I'm opinionated. Most of it's garden really. You are the least <laughs> opinionated gal. Actually, you are. You just don't. Yes. You just don't share it that often. I'm far less opinionated. Oh. But I love speaking. You know, uh, get talking. No. You're no. Yeah. No. No, you're opinionated. You're more opinionated. <laughs> well, yes, I am opinionated, but I am not more opinionated than you. And yes, you you voice would, your opinion. I would definitely disagree with that. <laughs> Never mind. We digress. Opinions on anything garden-related. We'll keep the theme going. Gardening, it is the Mountain Gardener Radio Show, Radio <laughs> Hour, and this is your full 10 minutes. The whole segment's just all about you. Ooh, no pressure. Well, we have been unloading truck after truck after truck. I think we've yeah. had, what, three trucks in yeah, full the last semis. two weeks? It's been crazy. I mean, 
Yeah, full semis in. Lots of plants. Thousands of plants. I know. We're not even full yet. Not even. There's thousands (laughs) more to come. Yeah. (laughs) But the things that we got in are those things that you can definitely plant this time of year. And they're going to, a lot of them are going to give you that spring color, that pop of color in your yard that you want. So, and we need that here. We need that arrival. It's that trumpeter that's saying spring is here because certain things are starting to bloom. We're famous for that. I mean, really, we're famous for our spring. It announces forsythias are just starting to show color. They're cracking color now. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one that just says, it's spring. Let's go. And you really want those things in the ground before they wake up. That right. way you get to enjoy 100% of all the flowers mm-hmm. instead of you know the wind between here and <laughs> getting home blows <laughs> off the half, the, half the thing. And then it goes into transplant right. shock. And then it, you mm-hmm. just, you're better off putting it in before they wake up. Oh, I agree. And the selection right now is yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's plus, plus, plus. So we have great selection. It's a great time to plant those so that you get to enjoy them in your own yard. And uh, hey, what better way to spend a beautiful day than coming down and shopping it's for true. spring bloomers? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is something, you, you know, that selection thing you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think that's not, people think of plants as like a factory. You hit a button yeah. and more plants come out the, the other end of the factory. Them. And these these plants were, some of the plants were planted 10 years ago, mm-hmm. fruit trees, they're, they're on average, our fruit trees are seven, 10 years old. Right. That crop was done 10 years ago. When they're out, there is no more. I mean, they're just right. out. That's done. I mean, sometimes we can scrounge and find a, call in a favor, talk to a buddy. Mm-hmm. Someone didn't take theirs. You, you can get some more in, but they're very difficult to find. You're better. Everyone starts flooding the market here, here at the garden center. And when the, when the lilacs start to bloom, that's when they all go, oh, I want one of those. Yeah. Well, by then, the selection goes down. You don't have as many to choose from. You, you, right now, before they bloom, you're, you're two, three weeks before they open up, you've got every color, every size to choose from. There's hundreds of them to choose from. Right. And by the end of April, there's like two varieties left and you know, two, <laughs> one size. That's right. it. So yeah, you definitely. better get it early because there's no, there's no more to replenish that right. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So some of these spring blooming shrubs that I love, of course, forsythia. I think every yard should have a forsythia. That's that one with that really pretty yellow flower on. So it blooms yellow first and then it puts on its green leaves. Um, most of most of them are four by four, five by Kinda four, somewhere head, in there. Chest head high, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So just a really nice one. There is a smaller one. If you have a smaller yard, you would use it as a border called Spring Sunshine. And it only gets up about two feet tall. Oh, ground cover you like. Oh, yeah, so neat. two by three, somewhere in there. In there. So it'd be nice in your perennial beds. Or So yeah. a lot of uses for that one. Animals don't eat <clears throat> forsythia. Right. So deer and javelina, antelope, rabbits. They leave Dogs. forsythia alone. <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> Cats. Rats. Right. So for, for Scythia, I always think of spring. To me, that it announces the arrival of spring. And then not f- far behind them come the lilacs. And my goodness, there's lots of lilacs out there. almost too many there. to share over the airwaves. <laughs> Must be a dozen varieties over there. It's crazy. Yeah. So... I thought I'd mention a few. One is called Scent and Sensibility. That sounds like a fragrant one. I know. It's a pink one. Oh. Very fragrant. Um, And it's kind of more of a dwarf one as well. It's going to stay that smaller two to three foot by three foot size. So another nice one to tuck into those beds. That's new for this year. I didn't even not. 
didn't know we had that. So oh, I've never know. heard of that. Yeah. And you'll only find it here at <laughs> Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Center. <laughs> and of course, the Bloomerang, which has been out, what, three to five years yeah. now? Uh, so that's a nice purple, kind of a dark purple blossom. A little bit taller shrub, probably four by four, somewhere yeah. in there. And the, the great thing about Bloomerangs is they bloom more than once. Yeah. So you kind of get that big early spring blossom and then they'll bloom in the summer and kind of in the fall. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. like a rose. Mm-hmm. Roses kind of flush all that growth in spring. They have all this color and then they take a break, right. rest, and they come back and a month later, bloom again. They take mm-hmm. a break for a month and they come back and bloom again. <laughs> it's kind of like, just like that. Yeah. And I was actually, I was walking the yard. We have some bloomerangs that I think they're full grown already. Oh, nice. <laughs> they're huge. Yeah. And they're just covered in buds. They're going to be fabulous when they start blooming. Uh, Josie, which is one we had last season, but we only got a few of them because it was a newer variety. Um, Josie is, it's kind of a dark pink blossom on it. But the cool thing about it is it starts blooming in the spring and it'll kind of bloom through good part of the summer. Yeah, very unusual for a lilac. mm -hmm. Very unusual. Same fragrance. Right. Brighter color and just long, much longer bloom cycle. Yeah. And it's about a five by five shrub in there too. The other spring ones that I really like are spireas. I like the snow mound and the renaissance spirea. And those are the ones um, that have just full of white flowers and just beautiful white flowers before they put their leaves on. Uh, The renaissance probably is my favorite because it has really graceful arching um, branches that come off of it. I think they used to call it was it bridal veil? Yeah, I always think of it as a bridal bouquet yeah. is what it mm-hmm. feels like, what it looks like, only on steroids. <clears throat> fills up a you know portion of the yard. Mm-hmm. Again, those are up, what, about head high or so, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. So And just covered in these big swooping oh, branches yeah. of white flowers. So pretty when they're in bloom. Again, animals don't eat that. That's they don't true. eat spireas. They don't eat lilacs either, do they? No. Well, sometimes, sometimes. you eat some of the lighter colors, but very rare. They, they're really desperate when they do that. But no, really, no. It's on the list of resistive plants. <laughs> okay. So those are some of the shrubs. Can you think of any other? Am I missing one? I think you I know, got spireas. You can go into evergreens, but no. Nah, nah, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, Potentias, <laughs> Russian sage, sal- salvias. See, I think just, of those as more summer. That's probably. true. Yeah, they are summer. Yeah. Right. Okay, so now we're going to hit the trees that bloom in the spring. So, of course, I think one of my favorites is probably the red buds. And um, there's Oklahoma, Eastern, Forest Pansy, Avondale, quite a few different varieties. Um, So last season, we got one in called Pink Pom Pom. So it's a new variety. And the great thing about it is it's a double blossom. So a double pink blossom on there. Really, really striking. Um, nice tree, 20 by 20 max, somewhere in there. Or, sh- or shorter, mm-hmm. but probably even less than that. Right. So. so fits nicely into the smaller yards that we have. Or if you've got a lot of space, it fits nicely into a big one. So it's a native. Grows wild. There's varieties that grow wild here. And this is the same heart-shaped leaf, thick leathery leaf, deciduous. Mm-hmm. But it always blooms pink in the spring before it leaves out. Dark it's covered pink. in pink bright just chartreuse fuchsia chartreuse pink green fuchsia, fuchsia <laughs> green animal man fuchsia green yep um. so the uh of course the other one that does so well here is the uh, ornamental plum the kv plum 
great tree for here. Very hardy, light pink blossoms. It's beautiful. Any others last? I mean, oh, you were like telling me to uh, hurry. You had Thirty seconds. <laughs> you had a list, and you're like going on and on about just red nervous. <laughs> service berry. So the spring flurry service berry, I think, is another. It has a white blossom on it. Uh, just a real pretty smaller tree, and it gives you good fall color too. Another native that just mm-hmm. goes wild. You see them growing out in the forest. So service berry, and the let's crab apples and oh yeah, Bradford pears, and there's there's just like and all of the and fruit trees. And, mm-hmm. and we have like a thousand fruit trees sitting out there, fruit <laughs> just different trees. So and they can all be planted now. Thank you, Lisa. That's great. All right, Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Hi, Ken with the Plants of the Week and our majestic giant, Pansies. Mammoth blooms smother this 12-inch plant right through winter. Fragrant like its fairy-faced cousin, this giant bloomer has the perfect balance between evergreen foliage and flower brightness. Hardy and carefree, this local pansy brings the garden back to life, all for just $5.99. You'll only find them at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love majestic pansies, they love to shop. Wondering why my garden looks amazing? Well, that's personal. The personal garden shopper service at Waters Garden Center, that is. Before talking with my personal shopper, I had no idea which plants would be best for me. But now my garden is bursting with flowers and buzzing with hummingbirds. Just go to watersgardencenter.com, click on shop, and choose personal garden shopper. A Waters Garden expert will pick the perfect plants for you, personally. The personal garden shopper, only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. For some garden trivia or garden terminology, there are basically two types of evergreens you'll find in a garden. The most common is a conifer. Conifers typically have a needle on them. These would be like your pine trees. Your your yews are a conifer. Your spruce trees, cedars, cypress, junipers, these are all conifers by definition. They're evergreens that don't really have foliage. They've got needles on them. And so they they can be in different forms. So you get your mugo pines, low-growing, shrubby kind of pines, but it's still a conifer. To your great big Deodore cedars, these are 60, 70 foot tall by 25 foot wide, wide, just beasts. They're huge, big swooping branches. They're still a conifer. So if it's got a needle, it's probably going to be defined as a conifer evergreen. From there, we have leafy evergreens. So broadleaf evergreens, that's how we define them. These are things like red-tipped photinia. This is the most common of all of the broadleaf evergreens that you'll find growing in the mountains of Arizona. These are a a big shrub, 12 by 12 by 12, huge. I mean, these things can can take over a shed. They can obliterate a, a property line. They can totally hide your entire front of your house. They're too big for most yards, but they're the number one seller because they grow so fast. New growth is red. And then it has this white flower to it. It's a great broadleaf evergreen here. 
I don't really care for it myself. I don't have any in my own yard. And, and here's why. They tend to get disease-ridden, so they get a lot of mildews. They have some issues you got to watch for. They are very heavy feeders. you got to feed them all the time, and then deer like to eat them. Uh, that doesn't quite work for me. I want something lower care. So from there, I go to, in my yard. I love the Eliagnus, or silverberry. It's a native plant that grows wild throughout the mountains of Arizona. The native version has kind of a blue leaf to it, a very fragrant white flower. Not really showy, but very fragrant. I like the variegated variety of Eliagnus, or silverberry is the common name. It's got gold, the same blue, blue, blue kind of, what size, bigger than a silver dollar type of leaf. Um, but it's, it's edged in gold. It's very, very pretty. It has the same flower, very fragrant, but it's just really bright. But it's, the leaf is very thick, very leathery. Nothing eats it. I mean, nothing's going to bother this. It grows up to about head high, and so it's easier to, to care for. You don't have to prune on it all the time. It just gets up to head high, head width, kind of six by six by six, and just easy care. Water it for a year and then cut it off of all irrigation, all care. It's going to be happy. It's a great native-looking plant that doesn't look native. It looks it looks pretty. Most natives are kind of ugly, zeroscape kind of plants. They're, they're just ugly. But this one is really pretty. So that's one that I really, really like. Another one that grows about knee-high, it's starting to bloom right now at the garden center. It's called Indian Hawthorn. Very robust, broadleaf evergreen that does really well. It's got a fragrant pink flower. does great in raised beds, containers, just along a, a real hot edge to, to your driveway, your back patio, reflective heat off of a wall. This plant's going to thrive in that. And it always blooms very, very early in the spring of, of the year. Great little plant. Heath, I think I mentioned at the very beginning of the hour, uh, but, but flowering heath is a perennial you'll only find at a garden center very late winter, early spring. There's a season for it, and then it's out. You come in asking for it in May, you won't find any because they're out of bloom. But they're in full bloom right now. They come in pink, white, and red. Uh, a shrub that's uh, a tall, a short perennial. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a shrub. But it's, it's a perennial, but it looks kind of like a shrub. But it's evergreen, has a fern kind of look. Um, and then it's covered in flowers right now. It's really, really pretty. It's a great plant for early spring in containers, raised beds, does really well. Yuccas. Yuccas, you got to put into the mix because so many folks move to the Southwest and so thinking Southwestern types of plants with well, a spiky kind of not, not, not a cacti, but yuccas have this unique look to it. And then you, all of them get this pretty white to red to salmon colored flower on them. It's just a really rough, kind of robust kind of plant for the mountains of Arizona. If you're from the East Coast, the number one seller pretty much across the country, but it also works really well in the mountains of Arizona, is boxwood. We probably have six different varieties of boxwood. They're all the same foliage, dark, rich, green, small leaf, but they have different forms. They can be real low growing. These are the plants that you'll see English gardens kind of hedged kind of knee-high hedge for around a garden, that's, that's boxwood. It does really well here because it's got a thick kind of waxy leaf, which makes it very, uh, it, it sips water very lightly. So it's very drought-hardy, deep-rooted, and animals do not eat a boxwood. They look delicious, but they are never going to eat nibble on. So if you're surrounded by javelina and deer and rabbits, oh, boxwood's a great choice. They look good in containers. 
on either side of your driveway, your garage, your entrance. They're really good because they keep that color year-round. It does have a flower. It's rather insignificant. You're planting it really to, to fill up a container and then surround it with pansies. So you're using it as, a, as an anchor in that part of the garden, and then you have other things that look good with it, companion plants to it. But boxwoods, they do really, really well, and you can plant them now. They just do great. It's a broadleaf evergreen. One, one that's also kind of related to that would be all of the euonymus family. So E-U-O-N-Y-M-U-S, euonymus. There's a lot of varieties that do really well here. Again, it's got a waxy leaf, makes it more robust in a dry climate. Uh, the most common would probably be your gold, gold prince or your emerald gaieties. These are big shrubs. They get up head high again, thick. They make hedgerows out of them, just a big privacy screen. Got a new hot tub? Put euonymus in. Uh, you got a new uh, neighbor that's always flipping that light on that shines into your bedroom window? Euonymus. That's a great choice. Uh, and they come in different colors, golds, greens, kind of a silver or creamy color. Lots of choices. Uh, they'll, they'll have cre uh, ground cover varieties uh, that, that kind of creep along the, the, the ground. They look really good, but they're all broadleaf evergreens. They keep that shape and that color year-round. It's a great choice. Some that maybe are not broadleafs. What would that be? Well, I mentioned mugo pines earlier. Uh, that's one. Really, a yucca is not a conifer, and it's not a broadleaf evergreen. It's unique unto itself. I'd say agaves are the same way, or century plant. That's one that has a huge flower that grows all in one year, you know, 12, 15-foot white flower that grows up. That's, that's going to be your agaves. And there's a couple of varieties that are very robust at this altitude. They, they take the cold very well. Another one is cotoneaster, or cotton easter is how you spell it. There's a lot of different varieties of cotoneaster, and they're all robust for here. They're all really good plants. The largest variety by far is your red clusterberry uh, cotoneaster. This one gets 10 by 10 by 10. I mean, if you want to obliterate us, uh, keep people from crossing crossing your yard or, or line a driveway or, or, or have privacy screens, the, the red clusterberry cotoneas are fast growing. Animals don't eat it. Once it gets up to size, you can cut it off of all care. It's a very tough plant. has very few diseases, if, if any. It's just a great plant for here. But there's a whole series of smaller cotoneaster that are ground cover. So coral beauty cotoneaster, that's one I like to put with the creeping junipers, good companion plants with each other, put on the same drip system, and they just do great. They typically have white flowers, the entire series, and they'll form a red berry. So they have, they're evergreen. They get spring flowers that are white. They have summer and fall berries. Actually, some of them will actually have berries on them right now. It's just a, it's just a great plant for the mountains. I don't care if you're in the valleys to the highest ridgelines. Ketoniasters do really, really well in the mountains of Arizona. And, th and this is the time to plant them, and it's really the time to shop for them so that you can see what they actually look like this time of year. Most things are twigs yet. They haven't quite woken up. Your evergreens are those foundational plants, and so many of them are butted up or they're going to bloom or are already starting to bloom right now, and they'll continue to bloom right through spring. There's a lot of them. You can have, have your cake and eat it too. Winter evergreens that bloom either winter or spring, uh, that just and animals don't really eat them. I mean, that's just got that's like the trifecta. That's like the the greatest thing ever for the mountains, especially if you're bumping up against the the wildland interface. These areas where 
animals just roam free. Your neighbors are probably feeding the javelinas. They're coming over to your place going, what's, what's, what's tasty over here? Hey, let's have the party. We're moving over here, Fred. Let's go. Uh, there you could plant some that are really tough. Takes the sun, takes the wind, very frugal on water, and the animals don't bother. And now's the time to shop and plant for them. Be right back. We have more in store for you after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Hi, Waters with the plants of the weekend are a Santa Rosa plum. A showy display of white flowers has yielded an abundant harvest of dark crimson fruit. Firm flesh with a wonderful flavor right off the tree or jams. For smaller yards, this is the only plum that produces fruit all by itself. A lovely border tree or garden accent and ready for summer planting at just $49. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love to grow their own plums, they love to shop. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. It's actually hard to believe that February is virtually gone. I mean, it's a, it's a short month anyway, traditionally. And then March starts to actually fill in and, and feel. I mean, it actually feels like spring. Your lower elevations, you're already starting to see the wildflowers starting to merge. They're blooming, but they're starting to come up. You're starting to see the roses are really starting to elongate their buds. You can just tell we are wanting to go. The gardens want to take off. And it's a good time for them to take off. The most important thing I can I can give you right now, finish up that pruning. You you've you should feel the pressure right now. Fertilize everything. And don't just use any food and don't use a water soluble food. Whatever you do, don't use a miracle grow or anything you had to pre-mix in a watering can. That is totally ineffective, especially this time of year. You want to use a good granular plant food. One that is slow release, and I think it should be organic because we're all drinking groundwater. We don't want to throw a bunch of synthetic, you know, petroleum-based chemicals out there to make plants grow, and then it gets picked up and thrown into the wells. We're all finally drinking it later. Um, I think organics work, and that's why I've put two fertilizers together that are all natural, just completely organic. Uh, one I call natural because once you put a mineral into a food you can't really call it organic so i put sulfur and some some iron into my all all-purpose food it's 744 all-purpose but the main ingredient is cottonseed meal and bird guano but to keep it pure for the purest i actually created an organic food that has no minerals it's just different kinds of meals you know meat meals and bone meals and blood meals this one's a i call it fruit and vegetable food. It's pelletized. It's organic. The, the recipe's already done. But then I front-loaded that real heavy with calcium. So calcium is what brings out 
the flavor, the size of a fruit, a larger tomato, sweeter uh, uh, peach or apricots. I mean, you want juicy plums that you bite into and they just melt down your mouth. I mean, oh, my mouth just, it must be lunchtime or something. It's just juicy fruits. Well, that's a 644, nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, and then 7, 7% calcium, because I know we're lacking calcium in our garden. So these are recipes made for northern Arizona, made to work for us, that really brings out the most of mountain plants. It is important to fertilize everything in the landscape. Uh, I mean, by the end of this month, by, by the end, within the next two, three weeks, Fertilize before they wake up. I can't emphasize that enough. And then secondly, put down on the ground your weed and grass stoppers. There's a whole series of weed preventers that are spread like fertilizer. You can put them on before your fertilizer, afterwards. You put them on at the same time. That keeps the weeds from germinating. So they're called weed and grass stoppers. I've got two varieties here. Um, I would say in my own yard, I'm using Weed Beater Ultra. It's stronger. It's $5 more for twice the strength. And it goes a, a few, few feet longer. For the money, oh, it's way better product, but it does cost a few extra bucks. I think it's 35 bucks instead of 30 bucks. It goes like 5,200 5, square feet. It covers most of a front yard. Put that down immediately. I mean, the, the urgency sh should be there. I mean, it just really should be there for you. Some exciting news. We are lining up our spring open house. 58th spring open house will be March 14th, 15th, 16th, or is it 13th, 14th, 15th? It's that weekend. We're bringing our growers in, lining up growers. We bring them in. They start talking to folks. They're kind of nerdy. They can talk Latin, names of plants all day long. They're just fun to hang out with, and I call them my friends. And they agree to come from all over the Southwest to just talk to folks here in the this central Highland, Yavapai County area. And we call it Spring Open House. We feature new plants. You'll see some new introductions. New products are featured. New colors are all featured right then and there. But the 58th Spring Open House for Waters Garden Center is March 13th, 14th, 15th. There you go. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. Throughout the week, we hang out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. It's almost spring. Time to grow a pear. A pear tree, that is. Late winter is ideal for planting fruit trees. At Waters Garden Center has cherry-picked the hardiest, heaviest producing trees from our most trusted growers. From apples to apricots and persimmons to pears, the garden center is plumb full of varieties that thrive in our mountain soil. And we'll even plant them for you. We believe life is a bowl of cherries, so grow the best ones ever. From Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.